This episode of Lord of the Rigs is brought to you by FreightPath, the all-in-one TMS that makes it easy to grow your logistics business. Tim or Timothy, what do you actually go by most of the time? A uh, Dooner. So neither. Go by Dooner. It's Dooner. That's, that's what everyone calls me. Yeah, it is more unique though. Yeah. Yeah, there's too many Tims on Earth. Especially that yeah. one in uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. <laughs> I haven't heard that one in a while. Not yeah. for a while. Um, but a little bit about what you're doing. So I know you're running not just what the truck, because that's behind you, but a ton of stuff. Put the Coffee Down was earlier this year, and I know you have a few other shows. I know you're on Sirius now, so a ton of new stuff. So tell me a little bit about what got you into all this, what got you into freight. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, starting at, at current, I mean, we, jeez, uh, uh, it's it, it's always funny when you have to get like reflective and think on your timeline, because being in a fast growth startup like Freight Waves, like the 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 models keeps changing. You know, it changes like oh yeah every month. But yeah, I do most like right now currently. In terms of like on-camera talents, I do the morning minute, which is a one-minute news read every single morning, Monday through Friday. I do that. Uh, I do what the truck twice a week, which is like the variety show of freight. Wednesdays I do put that coffee down, which is the freight sales podcast for closers. Saturdays I do. Uh, <laughs> Saturdays I do the the radio show on SiriusXM Freightways Radio and Road Dog Trucking. And then now we have like all these virtual events that we do as well, and I typically MC those, and we do some of our shows from there. So pretty much every day except for Sunday, I'm doing something. And then on the back end, I run our Freightcast network, which has 15 different shows and podcasts on it and is, uh, you know, pretty much the biggest network, the biggest podcast network in freight. And we only started building that out in like November of last year. Prior to that, Whoa. it was just the morning minute. It was just what the truck at uh, Freight Waves. And I started at Freight Waves in April of 2019, but before that time, like how I got into podcasting was in, I've been in freight for 15 years. I really wanted to start a podcast when um, when my wife was eight months pregnant. The place I worked for, I was uh, director of business development at, they said they sort of wanted to bridge the gap between marketing and sales, but that never really happened. It ended up being one of those <laughs> sales jobs where they just hand you a business card and they're like, get, you know, get the F out of here and make your numbers kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, all along I was trying to pitch this podcast called The Shipping Pod to them. And I'm like, look, the great thing about podcasts is it's kind of a Trojan horse to conversation. It's easier for me to contact, you know, the CEO of a company and be like, hey, can I interview and get some insights for my audience and that kind of thing? First being like, hey, I want to sell you, you know, the the Boston to Chicago lane or whatever. Oh, it obviously. But they were like, that's stupid. Like the company did not understand concept, content marketing beyond white papers, you know, mm-hmm. or their oh. crappy website. And uh, I'm glad I left there because it created this opportunity where, um, you know, we, we just had a kid. My wife's eight months pregnant. We have the kid. And I was like, you know what? I want to start a podcast for a while. I need to get a job. So like, I'll use this as a living resume. And I started this show called The Shipping Pod. It got pretty popular like early on. And uh, I attracted the attention of a gentleman named Steve Aborn who ran Aborn and Company. Okay. So, yeah, he still runs Aborn and Company. And um, he kind of like kept me in business. I remember in like June of 2017, I was about to start podcasting because I'd go on interviews at all these different 3PLs and they'd be like, you can come in, but I don't know what this nonsense is. You're talking about a podcast. I mean, I was like obsessed. I'm like, look, it's very important that I keep being able to do this podcast. This is freight, conservative world, you know? Yes. And uh, the whole ground hadn't really been broken for podcasting in freight yet. It hadn't really been normalized. So everybody was rejecting me. So I started this other show like in secret called Snack Masters Inc. where my buddy and I just started like reviewing snack food. 
And I put the shit <laughs> just to keep my chops going, right? Just to keep like yeah. the casting repetition. By the way, Snagmaster Sync is still out there if you wanna you wanna laugh. It, it was the oh, I'm gonna days. check that out. I'm gonna <laughs> check that out. I sing the theme song. It was it was the early days of uh it was the early days of podcasting, but um but Wait, yeah, when was this? When was this? This was 2017, the early days of like logistics. Oh, okay, podcasting. yes. Yeah. Not like not like the early, like the uh like Adam Carolla, Bill Simmons trailblazing of like oh, okay, yeah. I was thinking, I was like, whoa, you've been at this for very, very long then. <sighs> I wish, I wish, I mean, I wish I'd been doing it longer. It, it, it seems like it's been a while, but um, just the growth has been great. So I, I don't know yeah. what stopped me from doing it sooner. And I think it's really cool seeing like all these other people jump in the game now, especially during COVID. There's like been an explosion in logistics space of shows and it's really a, a wonderful thing to see. But Steve, like Steve gave me that opportunity. He, I started mm -hmm. consulting logistics for them and um, did that for a bit. I interviewed Craig Fuller on that show. Craig Fuller, the founder and CEO of Freight Waves. Mm -hmm. And then like a week later, he just contacts me on LinkedIn and was like, hey, if you ever want a job in Chattanooga, come out. And then I went out, I interviewed with him. And, you know, we started this plan to start the biggest podcasting network in Freight. And uh, that's what we've been executing on ever since, or at least I have. Whoa, that's huge. And then all this happened before April of last year. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's, that's so crazy. Was between that. I mean, look, my first year of podcasting was really, really tough. So having Steve come around was like a big deal. Like the podcasting yeah. itself maybe made me, well, it only made me indirect money. It didn't make me any money. My, it made me some money for my dad, who is my only Patreon supporter. So mm -hmm. I made kind of like $10 a month <laughs> from him. Uh, thank you, dad. But um, Steve came along and early on, he started giving me like $1,000 a month to start writing some blogs for them. Mm -hmm. And uh, then eventually that evolved into doing the podcast. Then I would also get paid to do the podcast. Then ultimately they hired me. So the plan had executed, but there was there was a there was a period there, like in 2017 in the middle where it would have been very easy to fall out of podcasting, especially if I took some of those other jobs and kind of gamble on making this a really, really like sort of legitimate core job, which which I've done now. And and that's that's it's it's a good feeling. Oh, it's huge. That's super funny though. You said Steve's name, and I was like, whoa, that's a coincidence. Cause I joined on Freight Path right around the time you joined Freight Waves last year. Like I think it was I think I joined on beginning of May and I remember it, it, everything seemed so, so established at the time. Like, I think that was already a month in, you clearly had some time to start building stuff out and you guys got off the floor fast. And we were talking with Steve just in terms of, okay. Cause he was one of our, like, he was a huge help for us in terms of building out product, advising us, like how do three PLs work? How does the warehousing work? How does the cross docking work? What's going on? And a lot of the stuff we listened to was your old stuff. Wow. Uh, on logistics consulting, which yeah. was super funny. And I was like, oh, they've been doing this since forever. I guess the podcasting scene in logistics is super old. I thought it was going back to like 2014, 2015. So later that summer, I was like, you know what? Maybe I'll do that. Maybe that's, that's our way. And I was thinking exactly the same thing, not even in terms of talking to decision makers, but literally just, okay, I don't know enough about freight. I need to know more about freight what's the easiest way to do that talk to people and what's the easiest way to do that get them on a podcast yeah now it's huge it's huge now i think everyone has a podcast now somehow yeah you know so what happened is like in 2016 when i was coming up with the shipping pod there were a couple other freight shows but the problem is what they were and how they were marketed and how they were done was basically just like ripped audio from webinars and it was just mm -hmm. not engaging it was not captivating and it seemed like the people making them were just like someone in the company heard of podcasting they told someone to do a podcast Nobody cared. I am deeply mm -hmm. passionate about podcasting and wanted to take sort of what I heard on Joe Rogan and Bill Simmons and Adam Carolla and the yes. stuff I spent the past decade listening to. And also like when I would go to like events, when I would go to conferences, 
I always found the topics on stage to usually be really, really boring and repetitive <laughs> in the market. But I found the conversations at the bar and in the hallways to be really exciting. So what I've always sort of wanted to capture was the personality of the people versus the personality of the companies. And, you know, I still mm -hmm. go about training that like in interviews. Whenever like if whenever I have the opportunity to pre-produce an interview with someone, if they send like a bunch of questions that are just bullet points about the company, I'm like, throw that out. You're not gonna you're not gonna sell anything that way. You have to come on. You have to give a little bit of yourself to people. You have to, you have to let them like you. And if they like you after that 10 minutes, then they're gonna call you up and be like, hey, I heard what you said on that show and done business. And this proof of concept has like worked wonderfully. We get feedback all the time from guests who've been on LinkedIn who are like. Wow, after doing like a play it forward segment, like this one guy was on, he played a saxophone. He's like, wow, I sold four accounts afterwards. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that's freaking fantastic. Cause like, this is something obviously I really want to do. Mm -hmm. I'd like to make as much money as possible. But the only really way to do that is to really help people give value and add value. And if you could not just give value to the guests, to the listeners, but you can bring it mm -hmm. to the guests, especially in our business in B2B, which like, again, you have to understand logistics in 2016, 2017, people like the idea of like a big name B2B logistics podcast was insane. People just mm -hmm. look like, like you were kind of dumb. And, and you know, I, I'm glad that like I, myself and a few other people like the Joe Lynch's of the world, the Adam Robinson's of the world really helped pave the way. Is this a B2B mm -hmm. avenue of communication and of putting ideas out there and and you know embedding a little bit of what your company does but to really yeah. make it successful it can't all be about freight path it can't all be about freightways it really no. has to be about certain topics it has to be education exactly i know from my side i came over i know like i'm a bit younger than you um but when i was coming up it was like past like past radio and the big thing was vlogs growing up so i was like oh yeah we're gonna do a vlog that's what we're gonna do but actually it came down to resource limitations. And it, the big, the two big things that we got when I, when we started vlogging were one, camera equipment is even more expensive than audio equipment and it is really hard to film stuff. And two, um, we were talking to a lot of drivers at the time and they kept on telling us like, oh, the vlog's great, but I can't watch that. I have no time to watch it. Um, maybe you guys could do like some kind of like audio vlog. I was like, oh, we're gonna do a podcast then. And that was how we were gonna do it. So. Do you see it going anywhere else in the future? Or do you think like right now, cause like podcasting, like you said, was kind of smallish 2015, 2016 is really exploding now. And I think we're gonna get to a market saturation point. What do you think is coming up? Or do you think it's just podcasting of like evolving? You know, I, I think about this because I've been asked this before and, you know, when people are like, all these shows are cropping up, some had been former guests on our shows. Someone asked me if I see that as competition and I don't at all. I see them as, as, as Johnny Appleseeds. Everyone else is seeding the earth because I still mm -hmm. think that we haven't hit critical mass and no. not in terms of shows, we haven't hit critical mass in terms of converting people in logistics to normalizing watching podcasts and watching this type of content. So I think everyone going out there and doing their own shows and bringing audiences creates a great opportunity for us all to bridge it. And again, that's that's proven in our podcast numbers would have grown just on the audio side, audio alone mm -hmm. 30% month over month continuously. Oh. Continuously. So, you know, it, it hasn't hit that wall yet. So it's not something I'm, I'm really that afraid of, you know, because even like, show, like, it's funny, before I got to Freightways, I always thought kind of like Freightways was bigger than it was because I wasn't like- Oh, same. It <laughs> but it's like, but it's a 150 person startup. It was 80 people when I got there. It's still a startup. It's still startup. Mm -hmm. Freight, like I run Freightcasts myself. You know, the Freightways TV team is like five or six people. So it's not a gigantic operation, but oh, we were- really? Oh yeah, we're, su we're just super efficient, man. <laughs> we were oh, you guys are insane then. You guys are putting out content that looks like, so the way like I have friends outside of logistics, and they're talking to me, they're like, 
So what is this freight wave thing? I'm like, oh, think about it like Bloomberg, but for trucking. Yeah. That's the easiest way to explain it. And then they look at it, they're like, oh, wow, this is pretty great. They put out more stuff than Bloomberg puts out. I'm like, yeah, they must be huge. I always assume you guys are like five, 600 people minimum, you know, especially with all the sonar stuff. Well, you know, I think the thing that's interesting about Freight Waves is that it's a company that myself isn't inspired by. Emily Zink, who runs this TV site, isn't inspired mm -hmm. by, and our founder and CEO, Craig Fuller, most importantly, isn't inspired by really other media and freight, especially at their at their inception point or my inception yeah. point of starting to produce shows. There wasn't really much content-wise that would inspire you. So we would look to outside things. You know, now we look at things like, what is the Morning Brew doing with newsletters? You know, they're doing a fantastic yes. job of using that casual social voice. And they're normalizing that. Robin and Snacks, very similar. Uh, we were looking at how people are producing podcasts in other media that does well. How's Serial doing? And I care more about them than some like converted webinar that um, that Freight is doing. Same when it comes to events and, and all of that kind of stuff. So, and you mentioned Bloomberg. And yeah, I think there's like a bit of Bloomberg. There's a little bit of Barstool. There's a little bit of, um, there's a little bit of uh, Cheddar. You know, we, we try to put yeah. it all together and use the best things that we like in media, not necessarily in Freight, and I think that the mistake people used to make was that like B2B was like you literally like a company talking to a company, like two servers. Oh, garbage. Like, you know what I'm talking about, right? Like it's not actual people <laughs> behind these companies that drive them. And one of the reasons I thought podcasting would do really well is I was watching and covering the advent of tech. And I'm like, this is gonna bring a lot of younger people into supply chain and mm -hmm. younger people are already converted to podcasts by and large, much more so than people that were like 40 plus. And now you're seeing, uh, now you're seeing older people get, get into it and all that kind of stuff. But it seemed like there was just this sort of wide open opportunity. And especially because in our industry, you know, a lot of people were kind of like troglodytic, you know, they're like a, a technophobic as well. Mm -hmm. you know, business built on relationships kind of thing. So it seemed like there, would, <laughs> there was a good opportunity to introduce like new digital services to people to, to help them understand what they are and talk about it in a in a casual and easier way than, than um, what tends to happen in our business with marketing is it, you tend to get like a lot of bullet points and things like rapid fired at you and buzzwords that, that don't mean anything, like your AI powered route density. Oh no. It's just bullshit. Yeah, see that's where we started from. I know like, I know we started out talking a lot about that stuff. Like there's a few early podcasts that I love all the guests that come on, but at the beginning, I know there are some listening to myself. I kind of just like curl up in a ball. I'm like, oh no, I sound, I sound so horrible. And I'm like, Terry, don't use any emotion, hide yourself, hide yourself. You're just like, speak from the company, speak from the company. But that doesn't work, like nobody listens to those. And then, well, some people do now as they move backwards, but at the beginning, nobody was. And I was like, oh, is this pointless? Is this pointless? And then I think it was one day I was listening to, you know, the ringer, everybody knows the ringer at this point on the sports yeah. side. Uh, and I was listening to their stuff. I was like, why don't we just make this more casual? Like, I don't know why I've been talking like, I don't know why I've been talking like this. I don't know why I've been like drafting up scripts ahead of time. I was like horrified at myself. Well, you know, it's scary at first because there is like, it, it does take a lot of reps and podcasting is, podcasting is a lot of organic growth. It takes a, it doesn't matter what company, right? It takes a lot of organic growth. It takes a lot of networking by the actual hosts themselves, putting themselves out there, mm -hmm. pushing and promoting. I think even more so than a lot of other media because you're asking people to do a really intimate thing. You're asking them to put on headphones and walk around with you and and have you within their ears while they go in a grocery store or they're at the gym or they're walking their dog. But that's the thing I like about it too, because 
you have to realize that not everyone's going to listen to everything you say. Just as when you listen to podcasts, like sometimes you'll be zoned out and it'll be at the end and you'll be like, I, I don't even know what I just listened to. But I like the vibe and I like I, I like the feeling that pressing play had to give. And that's always always my uh, my sort of thesis with with what the truck, you know, that's why mm-hmm. I like like on our last show, I had uh, Thomas Healy, the, the CEO, youngest billionaire in America. But I also had a guy who has who's uh, has a donkey that's popular on social <laughs> media and a lot of truckers like it. Just because that's interesting to me. I don't know. I, I love the idea of being able to do sort of a variety show like that. But I also like that I have an entire network of shows where I can put ideas into and I can put like more serious stuff into our midday market update. And I even like it at one of our events. I had one guy come up to me and he, I don't know if he didn't recognize me or he only listened to What the Truck or something. But he was like, he was like, good thing What the Truck's over. I hate that show. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> oh, no, oh, I'm going to put that on. The, I'm going to put that on the promo. But it's good, like he should. He was an older dude. He should. The show's not made for him. He should hate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I I like that things are finally changing up with it, and the variety stuff I really like. I know I know a lot of shows people try to like corral them into like one narrow segment, but I find that limits interest. And it's kind of the thing where you find a show, you listen to one or two episodes, and then like half a season in, you're out of it. You know, it's like I can't listen to somebody else talk about. I don't know. Freight sales is a good example because, like, I love talking about sales. Uh, at the end of the day, that's where I was coming in from. Um, but just on the sales side, you can only hear about somebody talking about like selling so many times before you just space out. It's like I need a six month break from this, right? Whereas with a little bit of variety, it helps. Yeah, you know, and we've had that challenge on like put that coffee down. That's why we do like episodes on on role playing and on mental health and on really the gamut of what an actual sales professional experiences instead of mm-hmm. just that sort of like very basic like you could just google a blog like 10 best sales tips like how many times oh, yeah. press play and turn record on a video <laughs> and just spout out the same stuff because a lot of stuff isn't even what you're reading it's in your own execution how you internalize that stuff especially when it comes to sales a mental game it's, it's like working out you either like do it and and get through the hard parts or you don't you know the advice mm-hmm. and the guidance can definitely help but like you know at, at the end of the day that's like a man versus man battle or you versus you battle Oh no, exactly. Um, in terms of talking to new podcasters, cause there's so many of them now, what do you think is like the thing that people should be focusing on at the very beginning with that whole, I think the big thing is personal branding, uh, getting a podcast out or getting a video series out, whatever that means to you. Like what are the things you should actually be focusing in? And what are the things that people focus on when you just shake your head? You're like, no, don't worry about that. So I would say it, it from the independent side, I would, mm-hmm. I would, if you're starting out, I think you're going to have a lot of heartbreak and frustration if you go and you're like, hey, okay, I'm going to start this podcast and stamps.com is going to, you know, sponsor me and <laughs> I'm going to hear Blue Apron on there, the stuff I hear on how stuff works and, and really popular shows. What you need to know is that those shows have 50,000 downloads or more per month, right? So mm-hmm. you are not going to get that advertiser attract you starting out. You're going to get like 20 or 30 downloads starting out. Get comfortable with it. It's a lot of work. You need a cadence. You have to keep coming back and doing it. You got to fake it till you make it a little bit. But also, if you were starting a podcast and how I started, I would recommend to anyone is use it sort of as a way to make indirect income. So you might want to use it for consulting. You might want to use it to sell another business. You might want to do it to prove you can do it so you can sell podcast services to someone else. There's a lot of way to skin the cats, but podcasting can be a great way to make indirect income. Mm-hmm. Once you get bigger, once you get bigger, the mistake that I see a lot of the newer podcasters making is they're worried too much about the live stream and not mm-hmm. about the existing asset. They're not, so they like, they'll go on LinkedIn Live and you'll, you know, you get some likes, you get some, some, 
you get some views and stuff, but you really need to scale that out. And to scale that out and to sell it to advertisers, you need to have a landing page. You need to have podcast download numbers. You need to have the video numbers. You need to have a present. Like we have our own OTR network with FreightWaves TV. So we have downloads coming in from everywhere. We're creating a big content flywheel out of each asset. And the biggest mm -hmm. mistake that people make, and a lot of marketers make this, and I heard this at Inbound 20, 2017 or 2018, but mm -hmm. I was to one session there and the guy was like, the biggest mistake that marketers make is they put all this time into a blog or a vlog or a podcast. They put it out and then they walk away and they walk away. Instead of extending that asset uh, over five different areas where it could be posted or, or creating uh, cutouts of it and remarketing it that way, really getting the guests excited about it and all of that kind of stuff. So I would say do not forget the on-demand aspect because those numbers are what your advertisers and your sponsors really want to see and that's what they lean into and that's what they always pressure you on. Live numbers, good. Good for attracting an mm -hmm. audience. It's not the only thing. Don't get too caught up in it. Honestly though, the funny part is we just axed live we asked live completely. Like I remember we had it, I think for two or three episodes and we realized how much work it is because it's so much scheduling and people get nervous and you have to pre-plan and you have to, there's less, you have to plan out. You have to not necessarily write scripts, but talking points have to be real concise. People have to kind of train themselves and you have the tendency to focus all your effort before and then right after to kind of put it out there, maybe publish a recording somewhere and then you're done forever, right? Yeah. Um, do you find, how many people do you think, like, do you find, like, go back on your podcast? Let's just say, what the truck? Like, how many people do you think are going back, like, to look at, say, season one? I don't know how far they necessarily go back. They definitely go back at least, like, two months. And that, every single day, that pours into the pool and it fills that cup of the, you know, the, the thousands of downloads that you want to have in there, you know, which started at tens and start, grew into hundreds and then it is thousands. And mm -hmm. part of that is just people going backwards. I, I don't know how much search and discovery happens. You know, I've tried to Google my own stuff and like, you have to be kind of really specific to find back episodes if you're doing it that way. And we all know like most podcast players don't have amazing search functions. You're kind mm -hmm. of very reliant on how your feed falls and how people scroll through it that way. But, there's plenty of episodes that have been out for like six months and I'll go back and check it and I'll be like, wow, that thing was at like 1200 and now it's at 3,600, just growing over time. Just, just compounding interest yeah. basically of assets. Oh, I was looking through it. I was like, my favorite show is always going back and seeing what the ringer did. Cause the stuff like Bill Simmons is, he's the guy who kind of, he's, he's such a huge person in, in the terms of like modern media, I think. Yeah. But just in terms of what he was able to do at the ringer, one thing I noticed he was doing was he was, all the podcasts they would they would post and promote they had giant transcripts like on them and i was like who in the who in the right mind reads these things never once have i ever tried to read a podcast transcript the thing is i found for seo purposes they're so good and it's the perfect uh, it's a perfect balance because podcasts initially just with social and email rollout it's a huge like headway at the beginning where a lot of people are interested in and like a week and a half later nobody listens to the episode right but seo takes a few months to take a hold and a few months later you get like another resurgence because people are searching up the same types of topics that were in your episode and people rediscover your show in a way yeah no absolutely i mean like i think that your your, your most uplift is within that first few days mm -hmm. that it comes out and that's when you should really take advantage of it but if you have like a big name guest or it's a big enough issue or it's an issue that comes back, don't be afraid to backlink it or put it back out there in front of your audience. I mean, I today actually, uh, I'm putting out the uh, the first ever What The Truck newsletter too, just to 
to oh. create a little bit more community. And, uh, you know, Freightways has a lot of newsletters, but I wanted to do one in, in you know, my own voice. And I've been reading mm-hmm. a lot of The Morning Brew and Robin at Snacks, and I'm like, you know, I think those guys do a great job. And I'm not thinking I can do better than them, but I'm like, man, it, it gets me interested. It gets me excited like it did with podcasts. So I'm like, here's one more medium. Here's one more avenue to uh, to to reach out to people and to touch them and to bring them more into that that flavor. I also like writing in the like the mode and model of what the truck is my favorite show mm-hmm. to do, because um, it's the show that's most reflective of my uh, my personality. So it, it's a it, it's a good time doing it. But um, in terms of like uh, in terms of going backwards, I don't know. Like again, it it depends on the guest. But here's the, but I would say never neglect it. Yeah, for sure, for sure. It, it's just too easy to do. To to, it's it's such an easy thing to do that if you give that up you start questioning the purpose of like, oh, what are you focusing on? But the newsletter thing is really interesting because I think that's the other area where I don't think it's really blown up in freight. I haven't seen anybody anybody come up with like a morning brew style newsletter, but I know everybody in the startup world is all over newsletters right now. Everybody and their mom has a newsletter, morning brew style, um, swag associated with it. When do you think that's gonna make its way into logistics? Because I feel like it's gonna come sooner or later. Today at 4 p.m. when the What the Truck newsletter comes out. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm working on it. Like, I am not at the skill level that those guys are at, but I'm, I'm trying. I've always been trying to drop, like, sort of the barrier to entry to freight. Because when I started in this business in 2005, I got in here and there was just a lot of acronyms and a lot of things I didn't understand. And I had to figure out and find on my own through a lot of trial and error. It felt like everyone was sort of talking at this, like, I don't know, intermediate level. And, uh, mm-hmm. but I don't know if anyone understood what anybody was talking about. So I'm like, you know what? This is not nearly as complicated as some of these speeches are making this sound. Let's democratize this a little bit. Let's make it easier for people to understand. Cause my goal is also to make this as mainstream as possible. I want as many people as possible to, to listen to, uh, to listen to what we're doing and to bring them in. Like, I don't want it to just be a freight podcast. Like my ideal goal is to have what the truck be a mainstream podcast and it's, it is in the it's it's uh in the apple podcast top 50 business news which is for mm-hmm. a free podcast is really pretty good oh it's very good especially when the whole industry like i think people are just starting to see it well my funny part is everybody everybody listens to finance podcasts nobody thinks those are like oh a finance podcast is a finance podcast if you're outside of that industry you wouldn't listen to it and i think transportation starting to make leeways into that right i think people are starting to care more I think Freightways is a huge part of it because I it feels like at least to me somebody a bit newer to the industry that before Freightways like what what did you have in terms of like logistics news? I don't I can't think of anything to be honest. Well, see here's the thing what what, what Freightways really really changed was the uh, was the velocity of news too because so many sites were in that legacy position where they also had a magazine element or they had a print element. Oh, yeah. You know, like transport topics. I just got their latest issue and on the cover it's talking about like August rates. This oh is God. It's the end of September. The, the issue is dated like September 29th <laughs> and it's got August rates. And they're like, what? what is this for the historical record? What am I gonna do with that transport topics? But I think that because of that, a lot of the websites too, there wasn't that sense of urgency with the news. There wasn't that same, uh, we have to get this out there. We have to be first. We can update the story. You know, we want to be in front of all of these different stories and be where the topics are. Mm-hmm. And you know, bring Emily Zink in, who's from the TV news world, where it's all about pace and and, and rapidity. Yeah. And just Craig Fuller's general interest in being that way, and and mine as well, has really created this uh, this this great you know sort of uh, I'm trying to say like cauldron here, right? Like a witch's cauldron. It's Halloween. We'll go yeah. with that. Here's a little ghost for you. Ah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> but no, 
I mean, it, it has, and I and I like it. I want to make people have to work harder, especially people who are trying to compete with us. You know, that's why. Mm -hmm. That's why, just kind of in secret, we built the world's largest podcast network. We didn't put out a press release before we did it. We weren't. We didn't pull like a Nicola and was like, "Yeah, some year down the road, we're going to build this thing." It's no, like, "Oh, disaster!" No, we're just going to build this at night, and then, uh, then, then when it's built, we're going to tell you, and then we're just going to keep building on top of it, and then you're going to have to catch up. Yeah. No, it's crazy because it literally feels like it popped out of nowhere. Like all of a sudden, it's like, wait a second, they're everywhere. Like looking back a year ago, it's it's funny how that didn't exist a full like. Like more or less a year ago, that was what in its first six months of infancy. Yeah. So yeah, like watching the whole thing grow this fast, having you guys scale it that fast is so impressive to watch. And it's like a testament to focus, right? It's a testament to going down, focusing, knowing what you're supposed to do. And hopefully you guys can do the same thing on the news on the newsletter side. But what do you think is the main diff like what are you planning to do different from the newsletter versus the podcast? Like what are the is there going to be a difference or is it kind of going to be the same styling? Well, no, I think you have to take a different approach. I mean, I think the voice, like the voice used in show notes, the type of stories we cover, the type of dialogue that that we use is definitely going to be present there. With, um, I think the problem with a lot of freight newsletters is that they're link farms, right? So you get mm -hmm. like this story, this, these are the top stories or, or here's this, that, or it's, or it's an ad for something, right? Where what Morning Brew is really focused on and the, the note I want to take from them is they're just focused on opens. They don't care if you click any links at all within the within the newsletter mm -hmm. because it's it a it creates an advertising opportunity within the newsletter and you just sell that based on opens. But b it spreads awareness for the band the brand of Morning Brew. And mm -hmm. I think what sometimes some people forget is that like they always want to direct link everything and like force people to go oh, yeah. into the funnel where. Look, what I need in podcasting is you to remember the name What the Truck or the name Freightcast or the name Put That oh, Coffee yeah. Down so that when you go, because you're probably not going to go from a link, you're probably going to open up your phone, Apple, and I want you to go there and hit subscribe. That's what I want you to do. And the way you do that is with some brand awareness, but you also can create some uh, community through the newsletter by using a, a voice. And the cool part is that this casual voice has really been normalized, this social voice. You know, I, I tweet all the time, I tweet too much. So I've already got a lot of the content already pouring out of me. So to sort of convert that and to model it into a newsletter is an experiment I'm willing to try. Now, I don't know if I can do what the Morning Brew does, but it's an experiment like I'm more than happy to uh, to jump in that lava and see, you know, what comes out the other end. Oh yeah, well, I've been, I've been reading the Morning Brew for ages. I remember when they were way smaller, like before all the ad money, before these sponsored segments. It's super weird because I think before that, I never read an email that much. It was, I think the first newsletter that really focused on just getting people to read it, like you said, which is crazy. And I still struggle to do that every time I put out emails. I'm so tempted to just be like, click here to read more, click here to read more. Cause you're trained when you're in sales or marketing. It's like, you're trained, like take people to your website, take people to your website. But then the end of the day question is like, why? Why, why are you having them go to your website? The most they'll usually do is they'll read one article anyway. They're not gonna go anywhere else, right? Yeah, I would like when I was at Aborn, which is, um, and I have the perspective of, of being there and now being at a much larger company. And it's sort of like when you're doing sales and you're doing sales for like FedEx trade networks, you got FedEx on your business card, easy to get in the door. You're doing it for a smaller company like Aborn, you got to do a little bit more work. Like when I was starting mm -hmm. consulting logistics and kind of proving out the concept of podcasting and logistics, it wasn't easy to get guests. It was really hard. And you might be experiencing that too with more people being like, I want to prepare and I want to, like nobody really does that to me anymore at Freightways. When, when I go out to get, to oh, yeah. I just hit them on LinkedIn messaging. I'm like, hey, do you want to come on with the truck at X time? 
And usually, almost always, 99% of the time, they're just they're just like, yeah, w- what do you need? And then they just come on cold. Yeah, what? that's the did- surprising part. I think the biggest thing I had just starting out was like, I was creating more worry than the people. I don't think I got a no for like a few months at the beginning, just because I think I was underselling myself too much. I was like, oh, we can't get that guest. I'm not going to bother. Oh, we can't do that. Not going to happen. And then more and more, you're like, wait a second. All you have to do is go message that guy because you're offering him promotion just as much as they're yeah. like they're helping you out. It's like a mutual thing. And if it isn't a mutual thing, you're probably doing something wrong is usually yeah, well, what I find. Or if it's not, I mean, reach out to him or, or you know, there's obviously a business relationship that goes into all this mm-hmm. stuff. Y'all run businesses, so you want sponsors or you want savings. So if you don't really, like for me, the rule of thumb usually is if, if I think someone's interesting or or cool and I, I see them on LinkedIn or I see them on Twitter, I just engage with them on whatever platform that they're on in their community mm-hmm. on. And it's it's worked really well to bring guests in. But it, I mean, by the end of consulting logistics, I'd already learned that trick to, to bring people in. But in terms of the newsletter thing, I used to do their newsletter over there. And um, you'd follow like the journey when you'd put links there, like they, they mm-hmm. click the journey of people once they got to your website. And you're right, like they would they would go to the link maybe, and then like you get really high bounce rates or, you know, it's very rare that they would go from there down to another page to another page. Like you're definitely not getting three, four pages yeah. out of people. What Morning Brew does is like, there's still links all, all over it. It's just within the yeah. tech. And you can get all of the, enough of the information that you need by not leaving the newsletter. And I think that people like that social information because you have like enough water cooler information in your brain that you can kind of sound knowledgeable about the day without actually having, you know, getting confused by maybe some of the more nuanced stuff. But you have a bigger understanding than just the headlines. And it's also- Oh, 100%. It's also in a voice you get familiar with. And when you get familiar with someone's voice, you can kind of take things in the context in which they speak and then come to your own conclusions from that. Totally. I know for us, the biggest thing that we did was that we had a blog, which some people read sometimes blew up when we got good SEO results, but we were just like, screw this. We can't get people here anyway. Let's just send full blog articles to people and traffic to our actual website increased after that, even though we had no links, we made it like a mission, like do not include links to the website, just include the name. Cause if people are really curious, they're going to search up like the name. Like people aren't dumb, right? If they're really curious about what the truck, they'll go search it up. And you guys have made yourselves big enough to where it's so easy to find you guys, right? Yeah, I mean, when you start putting things, at the, I mean, the biggest challenge when you start putting things everywhere is just doing like the end of the show read where you're like, but now we're available on this, that, this, that. <laughs> I mean, now at the point where I'm just like, hey, we're on like every podcast player, just look it up. It's on YouTube. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's on the Freightways TV app. It's everywhere. Go to Freightways.com. I mean, I, but there, you you have to be in every spot that people are and where where listeners are i mean for, for yeah. the most part i even like i'm dabbling with tiktok at the moment you know i'm not i'm not totally sold on tiktok as like an avenue for freight but i've seen some people get some really nice views on there um i have not had anyone come up to me yet and been like i saw this on tiktok and that's why i'm engaging with you the same way i do with like twitter or LinkedIn all the time, but you know, I'm just at the start of that uplift. I think we're five years away. I think we're a few years away. Me. I don't, I don't know if, well, not just like in general, maybe like a year or two. Well, cause I think it's all about age groups. Like I see like, in a, like it's all about like technology trickling upwards. And like right now we've reached the point where if you're 20 something, you're kind of into TikTok. Whereas like six months ago, if you're 20 something, TikTok was the thing kids used. Right. And I think we're like maybe a year away from 30, 40 year olds starting to adopt that. I mean, like, you know what? This is acceptable and this is popular and I can start treating this like like Twitter. 
you know? And I think once that happens, people are going to enjoy it a ton. And it's all I think about, it's like podcasts. You can't adapt your webinar and throw it into a podcast, call it a podcast, and that's a day. It has to be for the platform. So I think TikTok is the same. You can't be creating TikToks as if they were like YouTube videos. It just doesn't work, right? Yeah, I feel like I would almost want to, like at this point, like hire someone at FreightWaves who really understands the platform and can and can adapt content to it instead of expecting a bunch of like, you know, 30 to 45 year old guys to just start adapting the content, especially since a lot of us are show writers, producers, and on air while also doing like research jobs or production jobs or these kind of things within the company. Mm -hmm. So it's very hard to also have that like extraneous time to make content that respects the platform. Some of this stuff adapts relatively easy to that, but like, it's like, it's already like, I'm pouring a lot of energy into my Twitter bucket, my LinkedIn bucket, the content bucket that it's just, it's just one other thing. And I think to do it right, you kind of need, you kind of need that guiding light. Yeah, and it's super funny because we hired we hired a few new grads uh, earlier this year, and it was the funniest thing because I didn't anticipate them. The thinking was they would, I always hire people under a general term, and then as they grow in, they kind of self self specialize themselves. Um, but it was funny because uh, one of the girls was like, "Oh, can we create a company TikTok?" I was like, "Oh, we had one before. I tried some stuff, but I got like nothing out of it. Do your best." And it's been so, it's been so helpful because I guess I just never quite understood what it was that I was doing. But if you have somebody who knows that platform and nowadays people say like, oh, it, it's shitty how like, um, I think it's YouTube is copying them. Instagram has like reels, I think now, I think there's a few other services that are basically TikTok clones. Hey, LinkedIn has great. stories now. LinkedIn has stories. <laughs> and then I was like, I was super excited because I'm I'm of the age where like, I'm very familiar with Insta stories and I see people treating stories like weird posts. And it's like, this is my time to shine at this point. You know, like we're getting like, and I think this is great. I think it's a great way for a lot of like new grads, 20 somethings to like really get into the, whatever industry they're in, they're interested in really showcase all these weird skills they've developed. You know, like they might not be able to write the prettiest emails, but they can sure like, they'll kill your Instagram stories. Hey, when is this coming out? I'll do I'll do an Instagram story live right now. <laughs> oh, when is this coming out? When is this coming out? Um, Hopefully end of next week. I'm running on real tight schedules now because I haven't been the, I haven't been the best at scheduling anything. Nice. Nice. Well, hey, I'm, I'm here right, oh, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're, oh wait, it's not working, that's terrible. Hold on, what do I gotta do, hold this thing down? Look at this. I have no clue anymore. <laughs> like I haven't gone on Insta Live in forever. Here, folks. Here's a lesson. You pull up your cell phone. You hit this. Uh, you hit this button right here, and you, you actually got to hold it down. Hey, everybody. We're uh, we're live right now on the Lord of the Rigs podcast with Terrence Wang right here. If you can see him down there, this episode <laughs> will be out, uh, I believe, next week. So catch it then. Check out the What the Truck newsletter today. Ooh, hope that recorded. what the truck you're so smooth <laughs> with the promotions it's gonna it took it's gonna take me a while to be that smooth like blending that in that was way too smooth there <laughs> i have to do it a lot <laughs> especially with these things at virtual events it's all reps it's all like reps and cadence yeah like I, I don't think i even like had a conscious thought about doing that i think it's it's like almost just automatic and just kind of scary yeah well it's like people on their voicemails like i got so used to like a few years ago i got so used to leaving voicemails that that's how i talked all the time and i was like i need to stop this like my parents are gonna hate me none of my friends are ever gonna want to talk to me again um but that's super super interesting other question on freightways live earlier this year who decided who thought of like the let's just create a slack for this 
Uh, we were, so it, again, it's, it's like, we wanted to bring in a community. We, during mm -hmm. our live shows on LinkedIn and stuff, we'd had a lot of back and forth with the chat and I, I really like bringing in the audience and stuff like that. So when we were doing, when we were converting our live events to the virtual event space due to, you know, COVID and all that, but it actually has turned into a pretty nice opportunity. But the, the thing is, we were like, how do we bring people into the conversation and how do we bucket them all into one place? So that's where the Slack came in. I still like Slack, but I think that there's, you know, I think there's another progression, another iteration of things that we're working on. But for right now, it served us pretty well as a backend. I would like to have like, I would like to have a lot of the Slack functionality, but to have like video embedded as well. So people don't have to keep so many screens up. I feel like yeah. you don't damn screens up these days. I think there's a real future for a solution like that, literally for digital events, because I know that was the first time I'd ever seen it across any industry. I was just like, this is a way to do digital events. So much better than a single webinar. Cause I've been at those five hour webinars and they suck so much. Cause the only reason I go to con I was going to conferences anyway, was the, was like the 30 minute breaks in between speakers. Cause that's when all the good stuff comes out. Like the speakers are like, they give you the main talking points and you go talk to everybody in the hallway. But yeah. like, how do you recreate that? And I think you guys did like, I think that was like, that that made that made a lot of people's minds click. It was like, oh, this is a real way we can build community. Yeah, I think like almost instantly too. We we are like this has to feel different. So many people are in Zoom meetings all the time, or Google Hangouts or whatever, and they're used to looking at they're used to seeing it presented a certain mm -hmm. way. So we wanted to use a lot of the broadcast elements we're using in FreightWaves TV to you know take it's still boxes of people, but to just oh, put yeah. them. Put some like new like newsy style graphics around it and just put some color in and you know throw a little spice in the pot so it, it looks different and i think when things look different and they feel different people experience them differently and they feel differently and ultimately you have the like the experience where they go hey you know i people you know you hear someone you know essing on virtual events you go yeah yeah most of them are and I, I did see this one freight waves one and that's the kind of word of mouth in the community that you really want to to spread and the byproduct of that is that you're also making an event that's better because you have people that that want to be there mm -hmm. exactly and the funny part about that event is in terms of all the video segments i think i didn't even want i think i only watched three or four of them total which is super funny because that's the whole reason you guys did it but in terms of conversation useful conversations just like that i got out of out of it so so many and i think that slack channel is still live which is the funniest part because it's been months it is, we, there's actually, for, so each event, and we've been doing an event, um, with, with multiple events a month at this cadence that we're at now. Yeah. We have Last Mile Logistics that um, was August 8th. That's, uh, for me, that's tomorrow. But when this comes out, that'll be last week. You can check out all that stuff on demand, by the way, on the Freight Waves TV app, or by looking up Freightcast on your favorite podcast player. By the way, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I, I have to do it, it so I, just, I can't. I, I love it, man. <laughs> it's my radio training too, because everything's always so timed. So I've always got like a shot clock in my brain that is just like winding. And then it's like mid-roll right now. I got to throw that out there. But yeah. Oh yeah, it's so smooth. But I think, you know, I like the Slack, I like the Slack, but like when you have to have a new channel each time, a new workspace, it does start becoming unwieldy. And I think, you know, mm -hmm. we built our own platform using, uh, we didn't go out and outsource this to anyone. We're, we did look at them back when it became clear we would have to cancel our events that were coming up, our event in mm -hmm. May, when, when we learned that, you know, late February, March, things started looking really bad and then events started canceling and you knew people were gonna pull and sponsors might, and all that kind of stuff. So we had to come up with a new plan. We looked at the other event software and it just, it was, it was stuff that was like made a few years ago. So mm -hmm. it wasn't up to date where we built our studio in the past year. So 
we kind of had the latest broadcast equipment that we wanted to use. And then like, like you said, it was just a matter of bringing in that networking feel. And um, for the time being, Slack is sufficing as, as that aspect of it. And we also do that icebreaker thing at lunch and after the show where you get sort of matched up with people and then you can have oh, like yeah. random conversations. Yeah, and it's really cool. I think I think that's I think people are finding a lot more new opportunities on that side. And I think well, COVID sucks for everyone, but I think it's a huge opportunity for everybody to change up everything. Like I know podcasting wouldn't have broke like like broke out like it did without it. I know that virtual events for sure wouldn't have um, newsletters. I don't think would be quite as big. Um, just all sorts of alternative media. I think like picking up. And I think it's going to do, it's going to work wonders. Just, just from a marketer's point of view, it's, uh, it's the golden age right now. What, what about Queeby though? How come that? <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> they said that during the pandemic, it's hard to, it's hard to get viewers. It's like, what, what do you mean? What? <laughs> no, it's so bad. Is it still like, are they still fun, like operating? Uh, yeah, you know, they spent, they've burned over, I think like a billion point two, two billion dollars. They, they spent a lot of money on that supposedly. They're gonna like, like one thing I heard proposed is they're gonna come up with a SPAC to buy it to, to put it to put out an IPO on Queeby. It's like who who wants Queeby? But then again, Nicholas stocks twenty four dollars right now, so I have no idea. But yeah, it's insane to me that like a something without a social aspect, like without a social where users can't bring in content, is done on a phone and is only seven minutes long. I mean, and you don't have you. It, it makes no sense, and I can't take this and watch it on TV, uh, like beam it to my Apple TV or whatever. It's It seems like a concept that was dead out of the gates. It's one of those things too, that was so ill-received online. You know, people were making fun of Quibi months before it even came out. They, you have to think like, did they test market this to anybody before putting it out there? Well, that's the thing. Well, like the thing is you could run a test on it, but don't put all the marketing dollars into it from day one. I actually think that it's maybe two or three iterations away from like being like a game changer. Yeah. But the problem is like, why, like, don't expend all the money before you can even afford to do the two, three iterations. Like I can totally see it if it was more user, like if there was more user created content or if it was like a way for publishers to like do something with it, I think it'd be cool. But as it stands right now, it's just, it's just crappy Netflix at this point. Well, isn't it, isn't one of them like a girl is dating like a, I don't know, like a, like a mannequin or something. I don't, I don't know. I've been following. I think they ran out of ad money because I haven't seen a Queeby ad in that long. I remember at one point Twitter was flooded with them. I was like, oh God, this is so expensive. But then now they're dead. It calls in the question of uh, the effectiveness of Twitter ads too. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I have friends who have gone really good like response to Twitter ads. And then I have other ones who have just thrown away like tens of thousands of dollars into it. Like under the pretense of like we got impressions so that must be a good thing right i don't know there, there's like one that keeps targeting my feed from a uh, certain freight analytics company about one of their like podcast episodes and the funny thing about it is it, it doesn't have that many likes for like this promoted ad mm -hmm. and it makes it seem like they only have one guess i've been seeing the same ad for three months <laughs> that's the problem <laughs> that's the problem like at the beginning i think it's good for impressions but then after a little while i think it actually works to the opposite effect on twitter where you expect things to be so fluid that it's like wait a second this is still being promoted do they like with creepy i just didn't know they put out new shows i thought they were like doing it was the same like three or four shows and they were just rehashing constantly i was like i'm not gonna go pay for that three four shows like that's just i was like that's like apple tv plus but worse 
You know what? Apple TV Plus, though, this, just this week alone, I had like four people suggest that I watch Ted Lasso. I haven't watched it yet. Ted Lasso I... was good. It's good. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because people, I've been getting the same thing. People were like, you got to watch it. You got to watch it. And I was like, do I really want to get myself into a new series? And then I binged it in one go on Sunday. I was like, oh, that was actually pretty good. See, what I do is like, I will spend like an hour looking for something to watch. And then when I finally find what I'm going to watch, I just end up looking at like Twitter or LinkedIn, <laughs> the whole thing anyway. <laughs> That's terrible. I don't know. I'm like, it's like a curse. Well, yeah, you just gotta find, you just gotta commit to something I find and it's hard. It's hard, especially, I think Apple does a pretty good job with not, with keeping their series relatively short. There's nothing super, super long in there, which I appreciate. Cause I feel like one of the issues with like Amazon series, I've heard they're good, but I'm not gonna invest three weeks of my time into that. Like that just seems like a complete energy drain on my side at least. Yeah. And it's one of those things, I mean, even our own space, we deal with that is sort of like the, the content glut, how much is too much, how much is not enough. And then, and, and that that's always a challenge, but then like, you gotta just make different products, which in your thing, you know, like you have to have shows with different flavors because you also gotta think like a network, like each show mm -hmm. serves a, a, a different community. You know, the same people who are watching Monday Night Football may not be the same people watching Survivor on CBS. Oh yeah, exactly. Um, I guess we're kind of wrapping up now. So I guess the final question, just out of interest, where are you guys going on Freightways? What's next? Unicorn status? I mean, you know, like <laughs> what is that? My goal is really just to kick, to kick the me of yesterday's ass, and mm -hmm. Emily's goal is to kick her the the her of yesterday's ass, and and Craig is just always looking to push and move forward, and you know he is a lot of times a catalyst, you know, for for what we do. Almost all, it almost is because we're like, all right, smooth sailing. Finally got a handle on on what I'm doing right now. I kind of got some workflow. It's not as chaotic, and then it's like then in comes Fuller, and he's like, here, here's this next thing to do. Here we need 27 virtual events. You know, here we need this. <laughs> And you know, at, at first when you hear it, you're like, oh, but then you're like, this is the catalyst we need though. Cause you know, you can't get comfortable. We're in an early stage startup. You can't take your foot off the gas. So then it just becomes a new challenge. And it's like, well, how do we figure out this in our operation? And if we do it the right way, everything is going to get benefited by putting an honest effort into it and putting a really strong effort into it. Instead of being like, oh, I'm not really sure. You know, it's like, you know what? Let's do it. You know, it, it's a good idea. You haven't led us astray before. So I will do that. I will I will serve this as best as I possibly can on my ability. And a lot of the other key pillars are within our company. And I think that's where the, the growth keeps going. I just see us expanding wider, at, wider and more narrow at the same time. Because like with mm -hmm. that content thing, we want more mainstream and more wider appeal content. But we also want some of that really sort of segmented, super narrow group where you can go to, you can go to, to communities and be like, hey, we're serving you really well with this sort of last mile or cold chain or whatever it may be. And you can also go to advertisers and be like, hey, we have this curated community of people. You know, because that's that's the way you have to operate in in modern media, in my opinion, to, to sort of to really get ahead. And that's to have, a, to have a focus on both. And I think the biggest difference between that and before was that everything before was just like blindly click driven, you know, like mm -hmm. how many clicks can you get on this link or how many clicks can you get on this website? And I think that companies are now getting a lot more nuanced in how they want to do their ad spend, which is great as a creator because it gives you more opportunity than just always having to try to go for like the blockbuster. Oh, hundred percent. I think, I think that's, I think you guys are doing a fantastic job with that just in terms of as an advertiser, somebody who's constantly looking at like, okay, what are we, how are we going to spend marketing spend? That's the big thing now, right? It's like, if I have $10,000 to spend, I don't want the most amount of clicks. I want the best end result, right? And the end result for me is long-term customers, not even short-term like purchases. So it's like, how do we get there? 
Um, I think attribution is better nowadays. And I think it puts more pressure uh, on you guys as content creators to do like a better and better job at creating great content. But I also think it rewards those same great content creators so much more rather than like, I think the days of buzz, like copycat buzz feeds are kind of done, which is great to see uh, from my perspective. Uh, uh, yeah, just like clickbait. The, the, the horrible thing about like BuzzFeed or like the, w those other articles you always see at the bottom of like stories mm -hmm. on news sites that Whoa. are like, how do you get this wart off? Like <laughs> this girl, got, you know, it's, it's always just something weird, but sometimes it'll be like, hey, you won't believe what this celebrity looks like. Then you click it and you're brought to some like slideshow site that it, it the link didn't even go. Like, I don't understand why sites would want stuff like that on there that is so antagonistic towards their user. I think that there is a way to sort of blend you can have sponsors, you can have that sort of content, but you have to respect your audience. I mean, all mass media has commercials and stuff. YouTube is getting very aggressive with commercials, but- Oh yeah. I think that you don't have to sacrifice the audience experience to keep the lights on. You know, you, you obviously exactly. have advertisers and sponsors, but you gotta respect the actual community. And also you gotta respect marketers like you. You know, if, if, if you're probably not looking, you're like, great. So what, if 100,000 people listen to the show, how many, uh, how many people that are looking for dispatch software are looking on that, right? And if you can tell exactly. you that, that there's 12,000 doing it, that's something you can actually work with. You're like, wow, 12,000 people, the conversion rate of that, if we can get five, 10%, that could actually be pretty good. Okay, I'm willing to spend X amount. Exactly. But even then, I think I think it's effort on both sides because I know marketers are a little bit too obsessed with like the direct ROI, whereas a lot of the times it's not direct ROI. Like, yeah, those 12,000 listeners might be there, but I guarantee almost none of them are gonna go directly to Freight Path and click. Like that's not how people work. It's like, okay, now that they've heard it once, the next time somebody talks to them about it or they see an ad, there's gonna be a little bit more of a legitimacy. And you do that 10 or 20 times and eventually it's like, oh, of course that's it. That seems like a pretty legit company. I'm gonna go there, you know? Whereas if you don't have those 10 to 20 like touch points, um, it just doesn't work. And it's kind of impossible to measure every little bit. I think people need to step a little bit away from that uh, and I think it's on both sides. No, yeah, I mean, engagement is is sort of the most powerful thing. And, and I think in marketing, a lot got lost in like track back links and they forgot that. <laughs> I don't think that like it really understood content marketing where content marketing is a lot about spreading brand awareness, spreading information and creating creating feelings and creating need, right? People go, oh, mm. I got this great information here. I bet they have more. So they might not be going directly to the site after they read that newsletter or they hear that podcast, but you have imprinted that in their head or in their minds they go in there and that's a huge win and you can't you can't worry too much about you know the promo code all of the time i get it you need to track everyone wants to quantify their thing but i think content marketing and media is just changing the game and losing sight of that is uh selling yourself short exactly and i think that's a pretty awesome place to stop it thank you so much i'm not even gonna call you tim anymore thank you Duna, for showing coming up to the show awesome conversation i didn't even notice that like an hour and a half passed by right there oh wow yeah that was that was quick but thank you so much again and hopefully i'll let you know when this comes out when it comes out week um we'll see what the truck will have been out for what for a whole week so we'll see how that newsletter is gone and i can't wait to see what you guys are up to you know, over the next two three years yeah hopefully there's a second newsletter it'll be out next <laughs> hopefully there's a second newsletter let's hope so hopefully a news a newsletter network that's what i'm hoping for i would i would like all right, thanks.